from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up, a tale of two nations. The violent assault that took place here, the very fact of how close we came to an election overturned, that reflects the fragility of democracy. That was Vice President Kamala Harris earlier today as she and President Biden exploited what occurred at the Capitol one year ago today. A year ago, the Senate didn't bend and it didn't break. We held strong. It is jaw-dropping for colleagues to propose to commemorate that by breaking the Senate themselves in a different way. That was Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who had a different perspective on what occurred last year. We'll talk about how the January 6th riot, which was a dark day for our nation, is being exploited to advance an agenda it claims to counter. One year ago, when the events were taking place on Capitol Hill, I was actually at the State Department with the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. He joins me today on Washington Watch with his observations on the state of politics in America, as well as an update on the growing threat from communist China. And we've been discussing it repeatedly. What has been happening in America's classrooms has been exposed in America's family rooms as parents have uh, seen what their children are being taught. And now they're demanding action and they're getting it. State legislatures are returning to session and high on their to do list is education reform. We'll talk with Indiana State Representative J.D. Prescott, who has introduced legislation to give parents more say in what their children are exposed to and what they're forced to do. He joins me later here on Washington Watch. Also, as we see President Biden and Democratic leaders. Used, uh, it appears, by those who want a purge in our nation's military, new guidelines by the Biden Pentagon on so-called extremism in the ranks have many concerned. We'll talk with our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, former Deputy, Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, later here on Washington Watch. The website, it's all archived right there on the website. Today's verse from our journey through the Bible, Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. You know, Satan tries to turn great victories that Abram saw into fear of future failure. Look to the Lord. He's our shield and our protection. You can join us on this two-year journey through the Bible. To find out how, go to frc.org slash Bible. And by the way, I'm taking recommendations for the verse of the day. If you're on our journey, you can email me, if you do so, before 1 p.m. Eastern time, your verse from the day's passage, and I may select it as the verse of the day. Just email me, Tony, at TonyPerkins.com. All right, the Biden administration has been using the events of January 6th to convince the American public that a federal takeover of elections is what is needed to strengthen and protect our democracy. Somehow, the misguided individuals who broke into the Capitol on January 6th are the ones who pose the gravest threat to everything our nation stands for. But as this administration devotes its time and resources into this supposed threat, there are real, much bigger and more serious threats at and beyond our borders, such as China, which has been covertly harvesting data on Western targets, even hacking U.S. government information systems. With me now to talk about what really threatens America is former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Former Secretary Pompeo, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's great to be with you. It's great to be with you again on this January 6th. We were we were there on that tragic day. We were at the other end of the mall from where the uh, the rioting took place. It was not America's finest moment for sure. Um, but uh, to hear some in Washington talk today about how this, this puts our democracy at risk, misunderstands uh, our nation, its strength, uh, the courage and patriots that I see out there every day. And frankly, I think it misses the mark with your verse as well. He is our shield. He is watching this country. I have no doubt about that. And America has survived much, much more difficult challenges than the, the horrible rioting that took place on January 6th. I, I don't think you would mind me actually saying in part what we were doing when we met. We were actually praying for the nation there in your office. 
And I, I recalled uh, my final question to you was, uh, what, what did we need to be praying for for our nation? Unbeknownst to us what was happening uh, at the Capitol, we knew there's deep trouble in our nation because it's a divided nation, and we need to be praying. Our, our hope, uh, quite frankly, it, and we're engaged in it. Obviously, you are, I am in our political system, but we know that the hope of America is to be found in God, not in a political party or an election outcome. Amen. Your your point's very well taken. Uh, We were there that day praying. um, Remarkable. There aren't that many countries in the world where you could do that, right? Where where religious people can come together, those in government, not a government, and just pray in a government facility. It's pretty darn glorious. Um, But we were praying because this is a nation that has a lot of work to do. There's lots of Lots of division, lots of challenges. This was all before uh, we knew about what was transpiring not too far from where we were sitting. I'm confident that America can see uh, the greatness of our Lord and they can continue to see the greatness of our nation and we'll we'll make it through just fine. Uh, Mike, before we get into China, because I know on one of the last things that you did is that you uh, made very clear what was happening in China was genocide when it comes to the Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities there. And I, I want to get into that because they are not backing off one bit. But I want to play a clip from President Biden's speech earlier today about what occurred one year ago. One year ago today, in this sacred place, democracy was attacked, <clears throat> simply attacked. The will of the people was under assault. The Constitution, our Constitution, faced the gravest of threats. Let me ask you this question. Is the president and Democratic leaders using January the 6th to divide America and advance an agenda that actually accomplishes what they say they're trying to stop? And that is destroy our democracy. Sadly, Tony, I, I think that's the case, certainly for many Democrats. When we heard some of the House leadership today, it seemed pretty apparent to me that they've chosen to try and take this thing, rename it an insurrection uh, and create a storyline there that will help them be successful in elections in November of 2022. I, as a practical matter, I don't think that's going to work. I think the American people can see through that. I think people have made their decisions about um, how they're going to think about what happened to that day. Um, but more importantly, it's, it's not the right thing for leaders to do. We, we shouldn't politicize riots. Um, we should stop them. Right? There were riots all throughout the summer. Right? We've still got a terrible problem going on from COVID. President Biden said he was going to fix that. We, we haven't been able to fix it yet. These things ought not be political. These should be about getting it right for the American people. I think that's the same thing here. It, 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 it does. It saddens me to see that those are going to try and make theater out of January 6th instead of taking away the lessons about how you secure the Capitol, how you make sure something like this doesn't happen again, and how you stop, stop rioting, whether it's in Seattle or Minneapolis or in our nation's capital. Yeah, before and before I move on, I want to make very clear. I know you and I are on the same page on this. What happened there was uh, despicable. Uh, we would never support such activity, such lawlessness that took place in the Capitol. In fact, just moments after uh, I left your office a year ago, uh, you put out a message that lawlessness and rioting here or around the world is always unacceptable. It is not the way you preserve and advance a republic or a democracy. Amen. We, we fight hard in politics. It's all, it's all fine. We do it with reason and logic, and we speak to people about things that matter. We don't use violence. We don't use coercive threats. Uh, it's not how Americans behave. It's not the way our system operates. It's not what our republic stands on. And uh, what we saw happen that day, not from everyone there. I signed, I had friends who were there. They were just out there praying and uh, praying for our nation. Right. Um, for those, But for those who engage in this lawless behavior, we, they should be uh, treated in the way that the law should uh, always treat people who engage in this kind of unlawful, dangerous behavior. An appropriate distinction. Uh, there were good, honorable people out there just uh, celebrating the country and uh, letting their voices be heard. Let's turn now to China, which, uh, Mr. Secretary, I think is one of the greatest threats, not, not only to freedom around the globe, but it is certainly a threat to America. Uh, you have recently called upon uh, U.S. Olympians to boycott uh, the Olympics because it is a, a, a 
really an undertaking in whitewashing the image of China if we allow them on the national stage with the Olympics. Well, sadly, Tony, the world's leaders have let these athletes down. This is their big day. They, these athletes train for decades to, for this moment. Uh, and I, I regret that they're now going to be put on a, in a place in Beijing inside the uh, Chinese machine, which is conducting genocide against Uyghur Muslims in the West uh, at a scale that we haven't seen since the 1930s and is putting media people in jail in Hong Kong that foisted a virus upon the world that's killed millions uh, and now is going to be hosted by a leader, Xi Jinping, who will stand on this prominent stage and use his propaganda tools to continue to threaten the people in Taiwan, democratic, good people. And now we put these athletes in this place where they will be surveilled. Everything they say while they're in that country will be picked up by the Chinese Communist Party. Every action they take will be recorded by the Chinese Communist Party. We put these athletes in a terrible place. Uh, leaders should have done better. They should have recognized this wasn't the right place to hold this grand spectacle that we have, this Olympic gathering. Uh, and sadly, here, here we are. And we put these athletes in a, a horrible place. I, I think the United States should not have sent, should not send its athletes there um, because, uh, boy, if it were my son or child, I'd, I'd worry. If they speak about Tiananmen Square and the massacre that took place there, if they talk about the fact uh, that we have forced sterilizations taking place inside and the religious freedom is non-existent in the country, if they so much as talk about that, there's some chance the Chinese Communist Party will decide that they shouldn't be granted an exit visa. Uh, that's that's unfortunate, but it's the place that we find ourselves today because the International Olympic Committee has become consumed um, by the Chinese propaganda that put us in this place. Well, it's the money. Uh, it's, it's a huge market. Uh, Hollywood is being controlled by China. Uh, big business is being controlled by China. And we see the repercussions when they go up against China. Uh, you know, in in part because of the focus that you at the State Department as Secretary of State put on China and highlighting the genocide, uh, we were able to see the uh, Forced Labor Act against uh, the Uyghurs passing through Congress recently, President Biden signing it. Uh, and then some companies like Walmart and Sam's taking action to you know, comply with the law. Now China's coming back on them. It's really something, Tony. First of all, I want to applaud the Biden administration. I want to applaud every member of Congress who voted for the uh, Uyghur Labor Protection Act. That uh, was bipartisan, big numbers. It's glorious, right? It's it's America recognizing that these things matter, that human rights matter, that we're not going to let the Chinese Communist Party uh, coerce us into allowing this activity to take place in a way that, that is a moral stain on the United States of America. Uh, so good on them for getting that done. Now I hope it will be enforced incredibly rigorously, and I hope business leaders who are making an awful lot of money in China will come to see that there's an enormous risk from doing business there. Well, and you've set the stage for that to happen under your leadership, putting a spotlight on China's abuse. Uh, Mr. Secretary, we're out of time. I could uh, I could talk to you all day. Love uh, talking about these issues and, and gaining from your insight. Uh, I know that uh, you're going to be on many more times in the future. So thanks so much uh, for joining love, us today. Love to come back anytime. Thank you, Tony. Have a wonderful, blessed day. All right. Thank you. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, great American. All right. Coming up, parents across the nation have been seeing success in their pushback against radical indoctrination that's taking place in America's classrooms. But you know what? They could use a little help. And thankfully, some elected officials have been stepping up. We'll talk about one such official's efforts in his state after the break. Don't go away. More Washington Watch on the way. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible.
With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, it's been nearly two years since uh, COVID drastically changed life as we knew it. And as I've noted before, one of the silver linings has been how the pandemic opened the eyes of many parents to the reality that public education has become public indoctrination. Now, that awareness has led to a growing movement of parents who have been standing up to school boards over the radical and inappropriate material and policies being infused into the classrooms. And unfortunately, while there has been much success, uh, there's been a limit to what parents have been able to do in uh, some parts of the country. And in fact, some are being ignored and turned away. But thankfully, there are elected officials that are stepping up. And one such official joins me now, Indiana State Representative J.D. Prescott, who was introduced a bill to protect kids in Indiana's public schools from obscene, racist, and anti-American materials, as well as COVID-related mandates. Representative Prescott, welcome uh, to Washington Watch. Tony, thank you for having me. Now, as this uh, pandemic started opening the eyes of parents, uh, what have you been hearing from them? What's been uh, loud and clear is more, more and more parents are paying attention to what is going on inside the classrooms and as they've been home seeing through Zoom and through other uh, media platforms uh, through the remote learning, uh, what their students are actually taking part in, uh, parents are becoming more and more concerned about the materials that are actually being taught to the, to their children. And I want to be careful and say, too, that, you know, I don't think this is in every classroom where every teacher is presenting this, but that it only takes a small percentage of teachers to be presenting these divisive concepts and other obscene material to really cause damage within our school system and really push a, a liberal propaganda narrative, to be, to be quite frank. So, Representative, let's talk first about your bill, House Bill 1040, what it does, and then I want to talk about the impetus behind it. What prompted you to take this action? Yeah, so it's a very comprehensive bill. First off, we define what divisive concepts are and uh, ban them within the classroom. We also uh, ban anti-American ideology from being taught and promoted within the classroom. Uh, we create a complaint process 
that goes through the local school corporations or through the Department of Education, then with overall review through the Attorney General's Office in Indiana. And the uh, enforcement mechanism is really key to making sure that the law that we pass here is, is actually a productive law that uh, can can out that can really uh, accomplish our goals of keeping this material out of the classrooms. Without the enforcement aspect of it, then, then the law is meaningless if you can't enforce it. So that's a very key part of uh, House Bill 1040, as well as we also have um, language in here to protect our students from COVID-19 mandates, mask requirements in the classrooms, uh, and as long as quarantine of healthy students. So right now in Indiana, under um, governor executive order, uh, the schools have an option whether to um, follow a very strict quarantining requirement or have mask mandates. And, they're, and that's um, last thing we do want to do is keep healthy students out of the classroom. I mean, uh, we, we have such a high learning loss um, from, from COVID-19, from students being out of the classroom. So we want to make sure that these students remain in the classroom and that any mask requirement or any mask uh, being worn by a child is up, it's up to the parent and the child, not, not the school corporation forcing them to wear that mask. Uh, so those are some of the big aspects in there. I know there's a, there's a few other key concepts, but due to, due to, due to our time constraints here, I'm just going to hit the highlights. But uh, And then the biggest driving factor behind this bill has really been discussion with parents. And, uh, as more and more people reach out to myself and my colleagues, and this isn't just this is not just my bill. Yes, I'm the primary author, but I've worked closely with a lot of my colleagues in the House and the Senate, um, and we've came together on this language. So it's it's not just parents from one portion of the state that's that's having those issues. This is really all over the state. Um, so I just want to make sure that that's being addressed as well. So we, we actually have uh, quite a few radio stations uh, and viewers uh, on our television platforms there in uh, Indiana. A couple of questions along those lines. What are the prospects of uh, the measure going forward? So right now I have, do not have a commitment for a committee hearing on House Bill 1040, but I have also been working with Representative Tony Cook on House Bill 1134. Uh, it is a very similar bill to this. It did not start out quite as similar, but we've been able to put a lot of the key concepts of House Bill 1040 into uh, House Bill 1134, and that does have a committee hearing next Monday morning at 830 uh, in our House Education Committee, so I will be there listening to committee testimony. There was a similar um, Senate bill filed, 167. Uh, Senate Bill 167 was heard yesterday. They had eight hours of testimony, so I am very very confident we are going to uh, accomplish most of our goal is just I want to make sure that we get the best bill possible and because I want, I want to make sure that we are doing all we can to protect our Hoosier students. So final question for you, uh, Representative Prescott, what can our viewers and listeners do to help? Reach out to your state representative, state senators, let them know that you uh, they that this is an issue that, that we need to be addressing during this session of the General Assembly. Uh, as well as let the let the governor's office know that you want want him to sign the bill that we pass out of the out of the general assembly. So we, the governor will still have to either sign or veto any piece of legislation that we pass. So I'm very confident that we'll get this accomplished. And another key aspect that goes along with this bill, it's not not part of this bill, but a, but another bill that's going to be heard in our house or on our house uh, elections committee on Tuesday is our school boards. We're also going to be looking at moving uh, school boards to partisan elections. Uh, school boards are wanting to be more and more political lately, so I think the the voters want to know whether they uh, where where our school school board members stand. So we'll be also be looking at making those partisan elections as well. All right, uh, Representative Prescott, thanks so much for joining us, and appreciate your leadership on these uh, issues that are important not only to parents and children in Indiana, but important to parents all across the country. Thank you, and uh, thank you for keeping the voters informed. Very well. All right, uh, you've got your homework there. If you live in the Hoosier State, you need to contact your state representatives and your state senators and let them know that you want them to support these measures. Now, if you missed any of that, uh, I think we've got links at TonyPerkins.com over to uh, Representative Prescott where you can get all the information on that legislation. But look, folks, the system only works when we participate. This is legitimate participation calling your legislators, advocating, testifying, 
going to state legislative hearings, going to school board hearings, running for office. That's how we change things. All right, when we come back, 2022 is upon us, and Americans are a lot more fearful and less hopeful than they were heading into 2021. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Finley Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, here's a disclaimer. Uh, what you're about to hear are my thoughts, and uh, in their basically unscripted thoughts, um, you know, in response to what uh, is happening with January 6th and, and, and how it's being exploited and the fear that has gripped America. What really caught my attention was a, a poll by the Trafalgar Group and that's one we've had on the program before. They do pretty good polling. But here's a question that they asked. Do you believe American society and culture is in a state of decay or a state of progress? Well, the, the polling results, if you're watching, you can see it. 76.8% of Americans say it is in a state of decay. Um, you know what? And I, I agree with that. I, I believe it is. But we have been in a downward fall, a state of decay since the fall of man. I mean, that is the natural progression of man. Now, there are blips of hope when we see spiritual renewal and revival. And, and I, I set the stage with this because I, I want to answer a question that I, I get so often is, but Tony, how do you do this stuff each and every day, looking at what you look at and having to deal with the people you deal with and not be depressed not be discouraged and, and well, I, I'll tell you, what happens when you give in to discouragement, two things, is that you either give up, throw in the towel, or you do something, quite frankly, that is, um, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, as I said, this is off the cuff. But what happened a year ago, January the 6th, was stupidity. Now, I'm not talking about the people who went peacefully there to Washington and to the Capitol, came here and, and, you know, let their voices be heard. I'm talking about those who broke the law and went into the Capitol and, and engaged in violence. Any lawlessness is wrong. I don't care who's doing it. It's wrong. And I spoke out about the riots back in the summer of 2020, and I spoke out the very afternoon one year ago when that occurred. It's wrong. Under every circumstance, it's wrong. But here's how we don't give in to discouragement. 
that is throwing in the towel or giving in to anger, is that we have to have a biblical perspective of what's happening. Look, in fact, if you're in our Bible reading, we read this uh, earlier this week, and it comes from uh, Genesis chapter 6. It was at the time of Noah, and it says the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Now, And you say, how does that apply to us today? Well, you go over to Matthew uh, chapter 24 when Jesus was talking about the signs of the ends of time. He said, nobody's going to know the date and the hour of my return, only the Father. But he he does tell us we can determine the seasons. And, And this is what he said over Matthew chapter 37. He said, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. So the lawlessness, the corruption The violence, and by the way, uh, last year we set a record in this nation for violence, and it looks like uh, it would be 2020. 2021 appears, based on early data, that it will set a record again on violence. It would suggest that we need to be ready for the Lord's return. Now, that doesn't mean we, uh, we, we give up, sit on the sidelines. It means that we have to keep all of this in perspective knowing that the world is going to become a more violent place, a more corrupt place. But if we, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, are the salt and the light, we become the preservative. That's what salt does. It preserves. And so, you know, that's why we're engaged in public policy. We don't think of politics, as I was talking about earlier with the former Secretary of State, the political parties are not going to save us. Politics will not save us. Elections will not secure our future. Only the Lord can do that. However, our responsibility as believers are to, is to be engaged, to be engaged in the culture, living out our faith in such a way that it impacts the world around us. And that's why we are involved in public policy, to ensure that you as a parent, can raise your children and teach them as the Lord has instructed you and not have those values and those principles undermined by the local schools and your tax dollars. It's why we advocate for churches to be able to freely gather and preach the word that changes hearts and transforms lives. You see, all of those come back to public policy. If that wasn't made clear over the last two years, I don't know what will clarify that for those who think we shouldn't be involved in politics. We're not involved in politics because we think it can save us. We're involved in politics so that the church can do the work of spreading the gospel, which does save us. And so when we have that perspective, we don't get discouraged. Yes, we have our moments, but we see it in the perspective and in the the context of which the Lord has told us, it will all unfold. Not a fatalistic view, it's a realistic view. But we can approach each and every day with the hope that as we reach men, women, and children with the gospel of Jesus Christ and as lives are transformed by that, so will be communities, so will countries. So folks, no reason to be discouraged. No reason be ready to throw in the towel. All the more reason to be engaged because the darker it is, the easier it is for our light to shine. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by our favorite general, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, retired from the United States Army after 36 and a half years. We're going to be talking about, as those are used, if there are some using September or rather uh, January the 6th to change election laws, Here's some may be using it to try to purge our military. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, 
tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side -side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. By the way, if you go to the website, uh, you can find out how you can get your own stand mug, 15 ounces of pure USA-made ceramic. It's a great uh, way to start your morning with a cup of coffee in the stand mug. All right, throughout this uh, week, and really throughout the past year, Democrats have, uh, as we've been talking about, have utterly been milking the January 6th riot for all that they can. And they've been trying to convince the American public that it was an insurrection when it was really a riot. In remarks today, as I made reference to earlier, Vice President Kamala Harris equated January 6th, where five lives were lost, to the attack on Pearl Harbor where 2,403 Americans died, and to 9-11, where 2,977 Americans were killed. And the legacy media, which should know the definition of an insurrection, is parroting the same narrative and giving a platform to those whose claims tie into it and bolster such claims, such as three retired Army generals who recently said that there could be a coup attempt or perhaps even a civil war following the 2020 for election unless the military engage in greater indoctrination of their own troops. Well, with me now to respond to that claim and others being pushed by the left is FRC's Executive Vice President, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, retired from the United States Army after 36 and a half years. He was one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He also spent the last four years of his 36 and a half years as Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be here. All right. Uh, before we get into the claim by these retired generals, uh, share, I know we've talked about this before, but we're one year removed from it. Give us your thoughts on the events of January the 6th. Well, it was heartbreaking for me, Tony, uh, with 36 and a half years in the Army, and, and to see uh, what I, at that moment, felt like was uh, our nation falling apart, our, our nation just coming apart at the seams. Um, you know, that, uh, that was a day, as far as I'm concerned, that is etched in my mind as one of the saddest days in my life. And uh, 
Look, I know that there were people that went there that day not intending to do what they did, but there, those that went in that capital that day were were dead wrong. And as far as I am concerned, they've given up their right to call themselves American patriots. I agree. You and I have talked about that. I, I think, you know, first off, if you're going to lead an insurrection, that was the stupidest insurrection I've ever seen. Um, that was not an insurrection, as you've already said. That was no nowhere near an insurrection. Right. I've seen insurrections. Right. I mean, I, I don't have as much experience as you did, but I worked in anti-terrorism. I worked uh, as a police officer. I served in the military. I mean, I understand that a little more planning goes into trying to overthrow uh, a government entity. This was a mob that engaged in a riot, criminal activity, but it's being exploited. Uh, and I want to play a clip from uh, the president uh, this morning in his speech just to underscore how this is uh, being exploited to advance their agenda. Play uh, clip number four, please. Make no mistake about it. We're living at an inflection point in history, both at home and abroad. We're engaged anew in a struggle between democracy and autocracy, between the aspirations of the many and the greed of the few between the people's right of self-determination and self and self-seeking autocrat. You know, I, I'm I'm shocked that he would even say that, given that he's the one who just tomorrow will have to defend his mandates before the Supreme Court, talking about uh, autocrats. Um, but is this a a cover? for the left to advance their own agenda to try and grab power and whittle away at the very foundation of our freedoms. Yeah, so, you know, ever since uh, 9-11 occurred, I mean, ever since uh, uh, the 6th of January occurred last year, uh, there, we've, we've all been victims of a big psychological operation, of a big con. You know, the National Guard was left on the streets there for an extended period of time, and and they didn't even have weapons. There, there was nothing for them to do. They were just standing on the street corners. But when the media came by, uh, the media took notice of them and reported that uh, we were still guarding the Capitol. We had uh, barbed wire around the Capitol. For what reason? For what? I mean, why? It was all part of a big con game. And this, what we're seeing today, and what the president was just doing was participating and this big psychological operation that is designed to convince Americans that people like you and me and other conservatives, especially conservative Christian groups, are an internal threat to this nation. And, and that is their objective is to make us the pariahs in a nation that is desperately looking for leadership. I want to play one more clip of the president. Then I want to move on to the Department of Defense and whether or not there are those that are using January 6th as they are to try to take over elections federally to also conduct a purge of the military. I want to play another clip of the president, which really stuck out to me. It's really it's, it's kind of the end of his speech uh, this morning he made. But when I read it, uh, well, I'm going to play it first. Then we'll talk about it. clip number five. Deep in the heart of America burns a flame, lit almost 250 years ago, of liberty, freedom, and equality. You know, uh, that sounds more like the, the call of the French Revolution, not the, uh, that of the American Revolution, um, mm -hmm. fraternity, equality, uh, and liberty. That was the call of the French Revolution. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, listen, uh, I think that this is exactly what... Uh, People think that it is. It is. Uh, it is an effort to turn this country into something that is not what was created by our founding fathers, and that is a, a, a liberal, uh, Marxist, socialist society here in America. That's what this administration is about. That's what the leadership in this administration is all about, and that's what we see happening here. Just just open your eyes and look at what's happening in this country, and you will see the, 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 uh, the beginnings of a Marxist society here. All right, General, I'm going to turn now specifically to the military. Right before Christmas, um, there was a 
an announcement about an updated policy to prohibit extremist activities by military personnel. This is uh, uh, Press Secretary John Kirby uh, on December the 20th. Let's play clip number 10, please. As Secretary Austin has emphasized, the department is focused on prohibited activity, not on a particular ideology, thought, or political orientation. The department has always maintained a distinction between thoughts and actions. Are you concerned about what's happening with our military and this focus on what they call extremism? I absolutely am. First of all, nobody can define extremism. And, and what's going to happen, Tony? is uh, because this is so ill-defined and because uh, there's so many nebulous things associated with this, what they call this uh, program to root out extremism, uh, what you're going to see is they're going to start adding to it. And and even though th they say that they're not after uh, ideology, they're not after people's ideas or people's faith or, or people's leanings politically, uh, that's that's not true. That's just simply not true. And what's going to happen is they're going to start adding groups like ours, groups like the Family Research Council as being an extremist group, which you cannot be associated with because we stand on biblical marriage. And, and if you look at all of the soji stuff that's associated with this administration and with uh, what this administration has done in terms of domestic policy, uh, what you're going to see is you're going to see that very same thing integrated into this. And anyone who is associated with an organization like us or the American Family Association or any of the Christian conservative groups, uh, they are going to be put on, we're going to be put on a hit list. We're going to be put on a list uh, that will be declared to be one of the extremist groups. And uh, anybody associated with us is going to wind up uh, being uh uh, disciplined in one way or another uh, because of their association with us. We've already seen that. We've already seen that under Barack Obama. And you remember it very well when the American Family Association was identified in this, uh, this uh, diversity training that was taking place by this organization called DOMI. And uh, they listed the American Family Association as an extremist group, and they were told if you're associated with them in any way, you're subjecting yourselves to a court martial and, uh, and being put out of the military. That is going to happen again. We've already seen it. Yeah, you, you, uh, you preempted me there because I was going to say what you are laying out there is not hypothetical. It's actually occurred. It's history. We saw it under the Obama administration, but it's, it's, it's progressed. So, I mean, you have very clearly you have organizations like the Southern Poverty Law Center working with the Biden administration's Pentagon to draw up these policies. And we know that they're an anti-Christian organization. It's not going to stop with uh, organizations like American Family Association, Family Research Council or Alliance Defending Freedom. This is going to progress. And we've already seen evidence of this as well, that it's going to go towards certain religious denominations that hold forth a uh, biblical interpretation of human sexuality and of marriage. Those chaplains are either going to be silenced, they're going to have to silence themselves, or they'll be silenced by the military. These teachings, which they call um, extreme, are biblical teachings. No, that's exactly right, Tony. And uh... And what what this is doing, though, is if, if you look at our military today, I'm, I'm more concerned about our military today than I've ever been. You and I have talked about this. And, and if you look at the recruiting videos and, and, and the ads that are being placed for recruiting for our military today, and then you look at the people that are being put out of the military because they, they're standing on their constitutional rights, not to be vaccinated, uh, you, you, we are upside down. We're recruiting the wrong people, and we are putting out the right people. We are upside down in the military today, and this is going to destroy our military if somebody doesn't step in and turn this around. And I hope that that will be the Congress in 2022 when they retake the House and the Senate. So, General, let me ask you a very pointed question. Do you think this is intentional, that there is an effort to purge those that hold to conservative traditional viewpoints? 
I think it is, Tony. And, uh, you know, first of all, there, there are lots of theories about why, you know, this is being done intentionally, one of which is, and it's valid, I think, is that if if you have a weakened military, you're far less likely to use it in the future. And there is an anti-military uh, wing of the Democratic Party, particularly those that they, you know, are like the squad and those that are the most progressive uh, and most, uh, I, I'd say, radical. Uh, they don't want a strong military because the United States has a history of, of using that military normally and most often, historically at least, uh, when our allies or our own nation uh, needs that military and it's the only only real solution. But uh, I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to understand how anybody could want to live in an America that is more vulnerable every day because they're destroying our military. So if you if you can't eliminate it, then you simply hollow it out and make it a shell. Uh, as you right. said, that uh, is not going to be a threat to anyone, other than the fact that when we need it, and history has shown us. Uh, in fact, the vice president today making reference to Pearl Harbor as if January 6th had anything to do with Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor showed us that we were not prepared and we had to ramp up uh, to to engage in what became a world war. Yeah, no question about it, Tony. Listen, uh, you know, it goes back to and everybody knows knows this, but it goes back to, uh, you know, when. Our Constitution was written, and one of the founding fathers, one of the most famous of our founding fathers, stepped out into the streets of Philadelphia, and and a woman asked him, what kind of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. He knew, he knew that as long as we were a nation, because we were a big experiment, because we were unique, we were, uh, we were, he, he even said, we have uh, searched all forms of government and found none suitable for this new nation. Benjamin Franklin. And, and, and that, when he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it, that was prescient in many ways because he knew that as long as we were a nation, that we would have to be able to defend this nation and this way of life that was given to us by that Constitution that was written. Yeah, that's why I always say that uh, a republic requires us to be participants, not spectators. We can't stand on the sidelines and watch. We've got to be engaged, even and even more so when things are not going the direction we like and we see the threats that uh, are against our republic and our freedoms, all the more reason We've got to be informed and engaged, but hopeful, always anchored in the truth and that our hope springs eternal. It doesn't come around every four years. Our hope is every morning as we see the glories and the goodness uh, of the Lord. General, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much. Uh, we will be exploring this more as we get the details of this new policy as it unfolds. Thanks, Tony. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us, and I want to encourage you, be a participant, not a spectator, and go forth with hope. And I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, you've prayed, you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.